to the Roma Press Podcast with John Solano. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Roma Press Podcast. I'm Roma Press Editor John Solano. I hope you are all doing very, 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 very well. Uh, it's certainly been an interesting week at Roma. A lot of drama, as we all know. So this podcast is, or I'm sorry, this episode is primarily going to be based around that. I apologize for this coming out a day later than I had hoped. Um, had some problems getting this thing edited, but we finally got there. Um, before I bring Andy on, just have to thank real quick our wonderful patrons at Patreon. If you go to patreon.com slash romapress or the support page at the top of romapress.net and sign up to become a patron, you can get early access um, and extra episodes of the podcast and also be helping us in our endeavors here because without you, none of that is possible. So thank you, thank you, thank you to all of our wonderful patrons. Um, so real quick, before I bring Andy on, as I said, we, we recorded this yesterday, about um, uh, 26 hours ago, give or take. And at the time, uh, Mihailovic was linked very, very heavily to, to the bench of Roma. We discuss it a little bit. Um, but in that time, as I tweeted out and wrote a very brief article on the website, um, I have been told by somebody very reliable and who I trust at Roma that Mihailovic will not be the new manager at Roma. And the only possibility at this point is if they lose out on their other preferred targets, who at this point are Dizzerbi, Sassuolo, and obviously Shakhtar's Paolo Fonseca, who I have been told is the favorite and the one that Roma want to bring. And I'm hoping we, we have clarity on this by Tuesday. Tuesday or Wednesday, I think, is a day to keep an eye on. I think there's going to be some developments over the next uh, 24 to 48 hours that I think could be interesting and give us more of a concrete idea. Um, but as of now, I've been told that Fonseca is clearly um, in the in the driver's seat for the position at Roma. Uh, and that, again, Mihailovic is not a name that uh, Roma are looking to bring in. There were some talks, but I was told that despite... Uh, what some uh, some outlets have reported that Roma, they did not get very far. It was merely inquiries um, with Mihailovic. They did have a meeting, but it was just an exploratory sort of discussion. So uh, really nothing, nothing too serious. So uh, let me bring Andy on now as we discuss all the drama at Roma over the past uh, 48 hours. So here is Andy now. All right, Andy. Well, it's just a few days from the end of the season, uh, and already the drama is very, very high. We have a lot of talking points. So before we get into everything, I just need to know your first reaction uh, when you saw that story uh, uh, yesterday about the whole De Rossi, uh, the Senatori, Kolarov, Monchi, Di Francesco, the whole thing. What What were your first thoughts? My, my first thoughts was... Um... I've seen this. I've seen this coming. I've seen this coming. I, 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 I things got around. Uh, people, people talk. People like to to talk about uh, these things, and it's no secret. I mean, people who follow closely uh, Roma, Roma has always had different and 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 difficult locker room and and management dynamics. So. You know, after a season like this one, obviously something went wrong. 
things resurfaced, um, one can always, you know, argue about the credibility of the things. I think, I think most of the stuff that come out came out has has some truth to it. I think most of it has some truth to it. Obviously, you can argue about was it blown out of proportion, or we say in Italian we call it romanzare. It's basically making it, you know, sli- slightly more appealing uh, yeah, in, a, yeah. in a sort of fictional way, right? Yeah, so, you're, you're adding some hyperbole to it, right. you're romanticizing how the, how the situation really exact, is. Exactly, like, you know, the words about, from De Rossi about Nzonzi, and obviously one can argue about that, but personally, it's it's something that 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 you know about it just that it was brought up to the surface for everyone to see yeah i agree and <clears throat> excuse me we'll get into in a moment here what palotta said but the first thing he obviously everybody by now read his long long letter to to the supporters which in my opinion was maybe one of his best moments since since arriving at roma um Listen, this is normal. Uh, A player who has been at a club for a long time, do you think he's going to be happy that the sporting director brings in uh, a player similar to him in his position? I just feel like that that, that's a non-story. That should be, uh, I mean, that would happen in every dressing room to every player. To me, that's a uh, that's not even a talking point. Um, You know, when when the story first came out, I, I. I thought to myself that they didn't do a very good job at sort of trying to uh, hide who the sources were because there, there's only so few that you can pick from that fit this description of being close to Palota, understand what's going on in the dressing room. Um, I was surprised in the sense that it was Lippi. Um, for anybody who doesn't know, he worked for Palota uh, in America. Palota brought him over to Roma Things didn't work out too well. We understand how how it went with him and Darcy Norman. But Palotta continued to be close with him. He brought him back to America. He continues to work for Palotta's uh, Raptor group. So he's a guy he knows very well, a guy he trusts. I, you know, and, thing- and he came back. He came back to Roma this year. I mean, he was there to hug uh, the Rossi in the stadium on his uh, farewell ceremony. Right, exactly. And... You know, the, the thing, listen, we can go down down the list of the some of the older players. They wanted uh, Di Francesco gone. They wanted Monchi gone. They wanted Totti gone. I mean, we can debate each of these guys. Um, it is clear, though, and even when you, when you factor in what Palotta said, as we said in the last podcast, I feel like this season, and it's just referenced by this story, by what Palotta said himself, this season was just a recipe of very bad ingredients combining to make just an awful, awful dish, which was this season. Because I don't think you can point to one thing. You said that on the other episode as well, on the previous one. This isn't just one thing. There's no one factor. Um, but I did find it interesting that even in in the last summer as it's happening, you have players, you have Palotta really questioning Monchi as to what in the hell he is doing. And yet they allowed it to continue to march. I mean, what for you, what's the most troubling? What's the most puzzling? Uh, this whole story, this whole saga, this entire episode. 
I mean, what is it that really gets you annoyed? The, 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 yeah, the the most uh, the most the most puzzling is really I, I in all this chaos and uh, despite you know even even say a guy like Di Francesco uh, not I, well, from what I understand not really standing up to Monchi getting him five trequartistas instead of players that fit into his 4-3-3, which he adored and then was forced to change. Um, the, the figure of Monchi this year, especially because last year, you know, we, I, I still argued that the Mercado from the year before was in, in my opinion was fine. I thought, I thought finding under was, was, was great. I thought Karsdorp, if healthy could have turned into something, obviously not. Um, but then this year, it, I I remember clearly thinking, okay, this was you know a tryout year. Now he's gonna get rolling, and and then it it seems like he just went rogue. You know, it, it seems like he just went completely off the radar. Um, obviously, having Palota's permission to do so, because again, he he said so himself, and that's I think probably the the main quality of that letter is that Palota takes. A, a huge chunk of the blame um, is that he gave him carte blanche, full control over the decision making in the transfer market. And to me, that's the most surprising thing because I, I, I just, it seems like uh, in that article, it says basically that Monchi spoke to the uh, uh, Rossi. No, I, oh, I think it was in the letter. I, I think it was in the letter. Monchi spoke, spoke to the Rossi, told him, "Don't worry, we're not getting anybody to 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 replace you." Day day later, uh, Nzonzi's purchase is made official. Like, <laughs> yeah. what? Yeah, I, that so that that's very bizarre. Um, here's the thing that I find interesting. Um, listen, Monchi. To this day, even though he's been gone two months, takes a lot of the blame, and and rightfully so. But you know what? We have the benefit of hindsight. Wasn't everybody, myself included, weren't we all excited for when Palota sure. finally appointed Monchi and was willing to give the keys to the car to this who guy knew? who knew, who yeah, who, a, who knew his business, who knew he had a he had a. He had a proven track record, as he so eloquently tweeted uh, like an hour after Palato released his letter. Um, I mean, this guy clearly had the credentials that we were all seeking to replace Sabatini. And Palato was willing to give this guy a lot of the power, which if you're going to try and draw a big name when you're not one of these huge clubs, uh, Manchester City, uh, Madrid, and so on and so forth. Uh, you you have to concede some of that power. So in hindsight, yes, it looks terrible. But at the time, I mean, we were all hopeful. We were all excited. Um, so I feel like you, you know, while while Monchi takes all this abuse, I I I, I feel like we have to remember. Um, it's difficult to do this at times. I remember. I remember. I remember a lot of Twitter users who went on and purchased his book right after he signed for us and <laughs> yeah. read it, and then were posting quotes from the book so we were all yeah, excited they changed their 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 twitter names to uh yes monchi yeah, money Mon yeah um so <laughs> so yeah listen i i mean it's easy for us to sit here and and rail on this guy it's very clear that it didn't work out but again we if we just travel back in time 
a little over two years ago, uh, we were all excited about this. So yeah, that, I mean, the whole episode with the dressing room thing, it's very odd. Um, so then we go to today. So after the story comes out, myself, a few others as well, we contact Palotta and I wasn't even remotely surprised by his response. The first thing he says is it's bullshit. It's all bullshit. It's wrong. Uh, the lies. Yes. They're trying to destabilize Roma. And then we hear from the authors of this article who say, Palata always says things are bullshit even when they're true. Uh, I hope that Aussi th- uh, actually does bring a lawsuit against us because then we can bring evidence. Uh, yeah. We can show yeah. everything that we have, and it will show that this is all and true. They actually said, and they actually said, this is go- if, if this goes to court, this is going to be the biggest trial of the century. <laughs> yes. So, so they, they made it seem like this was akin to... The, the Nuremberg trials. Nuremberg, yeah. Okay, there we go. Um, yeah, I mean, even bigger than that. Uh, so... When you hear somebody say something so confidently like that, you, you can't help just think, okay, well, they clearly have something. So Palata today then comes out, he writes this very long letter, and in the letter he states that after having spoken with some of the, uh, with, with having spoken with the authors of this piece, it turns out some of the contents of it were true. So I, I just, I don't know what to think about him sometimes because like I've said, there's times where I wish Palata would speak and then there's other times where I wish he wouldn't speak. Now, I'm not going to complain about him speaking to me because it makes great content for, for the website. But, um, I mean, to come out so quickly and say, bullshit, 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 and then less than 24 hours later, uh, you're saying, oh, well, some of the things in there are true, I think is not a great look. But if we take his entire article entirely i mean this thing is long this is like uh this is a novel um yep i mean i i have to say this is one of the moments where i understand a lot of people get frustrated with him as the season marches on he says things he does things that we don't agree with i understand that but but truly just from a um uh, a human standpoint i thought this was one of the best things he said since he's arrived Right on, right on. I it um, it, it 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 really looked like uh, because we were wondering, right? We we recorded a number of, of of episodes since the basically the season collapsed. I think after the draw with Genoa, and we were wondering what is why is the management staying silent? Why are they not addressing these issues? Why are they not addressing the fact that right now we are competing for an Europa League spot instead of our real objective, which was a Champions League spot? And when the letter came out today and I read it, it really felt like it didn't, because a lot of people say, oh, he's done this before. He said this so many times over. I don't think so. I really, when I read this letter, and we've all read a lot of letters or announcements written by Palotta, but this, I, it, it felt different and it felt much more personal. Um, first of all, the thing about the sisters, uh, again, it's, that's, it's, it's just a, such a low, uh, 
just on a human level, it's it's uh, despicable and terrible what what people uh, did to them, and especially you know ultras and and sort of uh, people's inciting and, and and encouraging other people to uh, spread hate and and target sort of harass uh, the, these these poor women and their business. But aside from that, it really looked like this, Palota took his time, actually sat on this issue, thought about it, thought thought a lot, a lot about the, the, the mistakes. Obviously, you know, you're not going to find the, the, the full truth. You're not going to find 100% truth. But it's close. I, I think there is a lot of good points. Uh, obviously, sometimes... You know, you'd wish he, he, he'd say something more directly, although I still think this letter is very direct about a lot of issues, which is something that we're not used in, in the footballing world, because as you very well know, because you speak to a lot of agents and players and whatnot, they use the same vocabulary, they they repeat the same sentences, they become monotone to listen to. And this letter really, it, it, it felt like from the heart and... He took a bunch of the blame, a huge chunk of it. He, he um, well, he destroyed Monchi, to be honest, um, and and sort of cleared up that whole Di Francesco situation. And that I also like that one. He, he clearly uh, sort of was impressed by Di Francesco's attitude, and I am also impressed by Di Francesco's attitude because. The, the months have gone by and uh, Roma have collapsed and Roma from this whole letter and from the stories we've been hearing was a complete shit show uh, behind the curtains. And Di Francesco honestly could have addressed this multiple occasions after now after he uh, sort of uh, was sacked. Um, and he did not, which is classy of him to to sort of spare us uh, a lot of things I think he could have said about the locker room it just it just felt organic you know it just felt like it was right yeah listen hey you know uh, the first two um, two or three paragraphs are him saying this is my mistake I take responsibility um, the last uh, 18 I, I found it interesting he said the last 18 months um, have been very difficult. Um, nobody's more disappointed than me. So he, right off the bat, he's not looking to shift blame. He's not looking for an alibi. He himself is raising his hand is saying, listen, this is on me. Um, I, I want to talk about the Monchi thing real quick. And first, I want to get this out of the way. I, I talked about this with you before, but I have said constantly, I am against people calling him Mongo. Um, it's not something I think is right. Sort of like in the respect to Palotta when he was saying, you know, you can insult me, but, you know, just let, let's keep it somewhat civil. <laughs> um, I, I wrote a tweet. I said something to the effect of how much restraint did it take for Palotta not to write Mongo in that letter? You can feel so badly how much he wants to say it. I should have expressed that better. I, I myself was not calling, was not calling Monchi Mongo. <laughs> What I wanted to express was Palotta just seemed so angry and so bitter towards Monchi that it almost felt like that's what he wanted to write in the letter. So I want to get that out of the way. That's not, it, I'm not calling him Mongo. But seriously, I, I don't know if you felt that way, Andy, but I mean, he absolutely unloaded on Monchi. I, I mean, yes, he's taking a lot of the blame, but 
he's also saying, hey, I entrusted uh, the, the, the sporting side of this project to Monchi and, and, and he failed. More or less, right? I right, mean, right on, and it's um, and I saw a lot of people again. I'm not going to name names because, yeah, but uh, just a lot of people trying to spin this, saying that, oh, but then why Balota when Monchi was appointed said that this was. Remember, he made a, a quick interview. I don't know if it was in Boston or maybe still in Rome after Totti's farewell, and basically said that, that he's glad to have a professional like Monchi because he's never seen a guy so well prepared with list of objectives and blah 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 well things can change and it's clear that the relationship between the two of them deteriorated and i don't think palota is questioning uh, monchi's abilities as a professional i think he's just very upset about their lack of communication and and uh, the fact that something went wrong and a multitude of mistakes and errors that uh, sort of impacted the season negatively came out as a result of this because it's clear that the two parties were not on the same page after the first year uh, of them collaborating. And this is uh, this is a big indictment on, on Monchi. This is a big indictment on Palota. I think Palota knows this. I think also Monchi knows this but doesn't want to address it. And I, you know... We all have our own ways of, of coping with our own mistakes. Um, so it's um, it's just sad because I think it, it, it started out well and, and then just something went wrong. And you can see in this letter that uh, Alota tried to sort of reconstruct this whole thing. But it's uh, I think that's that's the thing, that the letter, despite its length, despite its complexity, is still very simple uh, relative to the to the reality of the situation yeah i think so too and i had the chance to speak to monchi after um and i'm not going to say exactly what he told me on this but the whole tweet that i just addressed before i yeah i i cleared that up with him because he saw it and uh glad we were able to get that cleared up but um he did. He didn't want to address it, and, and I understand. Uh, he's at a new club now. Uh, well, I shouldn't say new club. He's back at Sevilla, but um, he doesn't want to address it. Palota gets into it a little bit. We all remember what he said, though, uh, just a few months ago when when uh, Monchi left the club, and then he gave an interview. Palota fired back at him, saying, "I gave him um, full control. He didn't have a plan B." When I asked him, you know, things are going wrong. What are we going to do to fix it? Monchi was the one who said we're going to continue as is. And I agree with you in the sense that this just seems like a total breakdown in communication. This just seems like two people who are not on the same page. And I have to tell you, Andy, the, for me, the most surprising thing in all, in all of his entire letter was the way he goes out to, uh, right. to defend Di Francesco. And I have to say, he, uh, uh, Eusebio Di Francesco now looks like somewhat of a Yeah, he does. Uh, and a there is a short, short piece there where Palota basically said, and, and this is because we've criticized the later part of the season. And, and, you know, I think rightfully so, because uh, on the pitch, he was very, very stubborn. Um, not a great motivator, it looked like. And, and the letter sort of revealed 
um, Di Francesco basically at, at, at a point, I think in, in uh, late January, when things were, when, were going really sour, he basically went up there and said, you know, if you, if you sack me, I'm not going to take it. Per- like, if, you, if you're going to do it, do it now. Um, and he was willing to sort of accept the sack. Um, and, and, and Monchi was the one who, who, who didn't want to. And, and also, Di Francesco came to, the, to, to them and told them, look, I'm losing the locker room. And I don't necessarily think that it's uh, because they, the players had trouble or were against Di Francesco. I just think the players were clearly demotivated by their performances, by the inability to, to be a team on the pitch and, and manifest themselves as a unit as a group and it's good to know that Di Francesco was aware of it because we both were like what is this guy talking about all these post-game press conferences where it seemed like everything was fine and the guy was unaware of of what was going on and in fact it it seems like it was the opposite like he was actually living this situation very deeply and 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 it's again it all adds up to the chaos yeah i mean this you know for me again there's no one reason why they had such a poor season it's a variety of things but this certainly had something to do with it what did you think about what he said about that also he more or less said sort of what you and i have said the decision wasn't necessarily wrong but perhaps the way we went about it was wrong uh, well uh, i i mean i agree I, you know he, he talks about this this whole yes this i mean that was very brief that passage about how how he you know he dealt with the ross the wrong way i thought it was more uh, interesting to see what happened with De Rossi at the beginning of the season. This, the, the, the fact that they kept him basically in the dark, not knowing, uh, because it seemed like he had a dialogue with De Rossi. He had a dialogue with him. And so, and the two of them seemed on good terms from what Palota tells uh, in this letter. It's just that they kept him in the dark for unknown reasons. And, uh, you know, even this, this, this thing about, bringing in Zonzi without announcing it to De Rossi, obviously sort of, you know, making it clear, look, we're going to bring in a guy who may have to play in your position. And it's, you know, it, obviously it's the right thing to do. You're bringing in a world-class player, a guy who's just won the World Cup, great player who, who's had a, a great career recently in, at Sevilla. Um, so I you know, and it's obviously there's going to be a bit of remorse, a bit of regret, a bit of frustration, but it's it's the way you do it, right? And um, I'm I'm just glad that Palota uh, sort of goes back to it and, and admits the fact that this was a mistake. And uh, as we are recording this, I think uh, you may have seen it that De Rossi has released basically an answer to to this article. He's going to he's and he's and he's going to bring forth a lawsuit. Well, okay, okay. Well, I, I'm seeing right, yeah, right. That he's basically saying you've tried, you've tried to uh, make the, turn the relationship between me and Francesco into an issue multiple times, which is which is true because this is, it's always been there, and it's always the Rossi has always been at the end of these articles, rumors, and that's why he also I think has a tattoo of a pig with a microphone because he always said that. 
the people on the radio in Rome are pigs with microphones uh, because they uh, a lot of times they they talk shit about uh, things that they don't know about. Um, so De Rossi's always been this controversial figure. I'm surprised that a lot of people on on Twitter mostly and and um, not Italians, mostly foreign uh, Roma fans, didn't really know this this before that De Rossi has always had sort of uh, 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 issues with the media, how the media showed him, how the public uh, viewed him, etc. Yeah, I mean, this is nothing new uh, by any means. Um, another part of the of the letter that I wanted to talk about was sort of the the financial portion, which if there's one thing for me that people often get wrong about Pelota, it really is that financial part where they think he's in this for the money. They, they, they think, um, you know, he, he uses Ro- uh, Roma as some sort of just financial right. toy for his benefit. Um, he gets into that pretty clearly. And I found that very, very interesting how he mentions, uh, he sort of uh, dances on the on the tomb of Milan, so to speak. But he says that he called what is happening to them now. He called it a couple of years ago when they were being looked into for financial irregularities. Uh, he goes on to say he didn't want to sell Salah. He didn't want to sell Alisson. But because of financial fair play or because of Salah wanting to go back to England, that's why he did so. So what did you think about him addressing the financial portion of it? Because I, for me, that may that might be the most important. Uh, it might be the most important, but to me, it's something that we've heard a number of times, right? I mean, we've heard a number of times Palota speaking about this player wanting to leave, this player demanding more money in Roma, not being able to to sort of afford it. Look, I, but I some think people that still was... don't believe it, Andy. I mean, they still think he's in this for the money. They... Right, right, and no, no, no. That's I think I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, uh, I, I, I find it, I find it ridiculous people believing that. But I can see, I just don't think that's anything new to me. It's old information. I know about this about Malotta. He's not taking the money for himself. He's not buying himself a yacht uh, with with the with the money from Alison's sale. Uh, he's not going to Vegas. Uh, to bet uh, and win uh, with uh, Salah's money, it's it's um, it, so that's ridiculous. It's just that that one portion, you know. Obviously, you're never going to fully explain those motivations, and fans don't necessarily want to understand that. Some fans just like to live in their own bubble and sort of stick to what they know, which is Palotta takes all the money. Um, and it's, you know, this is, it's, it's a vicious, vicious circle because it's still going to happen. And, um, but it's reasonable and it's reasonable. And, and, you know, you can say whatever you want, but if you listen, I, listen to some of the interviews by Alison, listen to some interviews by Salah, and I'm not justifying, I'm just saying there were reasons. These guys wanted to play for in a, in a better league, wanted to play for better money, wanted to play on a bigger stage for teams that have something that Roma still doesn't have and probably will never have. So obviously, Palota also says that he points out the Strotman sale as a, as a, doesn't make it really clear, but sort of points it out to be a mistake, which I'm glad he realizes now because it was a mistake not 
selling Strotman himself, just selling him in that period where you couldn't buy anyone and um, clearly demotivating a whole locker room. Yep. Yeah. I mean, that was another another thing I wanted to get into just before we end here about he he said he looks back about giving Munchie all of that control last May and he just by his tone and the way he writes it. I mean, you can tell he really regrets it. I guess for me, um, why would he or Baldini, Baldissoni, anybody, why would why would nobody intervene as you see the summer market going so poorly? That is what I would want to ask him. I mean, in what he wrote, is there anything that you're still unclear on or is there something you would want to ask him? I mean, for me... All of my questions would be for Monchi, and I, I asked him this today when he and I were speaking, um, and he, he he chose politely not to answer. But I, my my question to him was, okay, so you have Palotta saying the market wasn't going as we had planned or envisioned, but clearly Monchi had some sort of idea in place. What was that? Um I mean, for me, after reading this from Palotta, I have more questions for Monchi than I do Palotta, other than why would you not intervene sooner? Right, right. I think, I think, um, yes. And also, I don't like the fact that, for example, in this letter, the name of Franco Baldini is, is brought up. Ah, I was just going to bring that <laughs> it's, up. Yes. But, but that's ahead. one of my questions. Is he's, that, And that's also one of the few issues I have with the letter is that He's, his name is brought up once and basically sort of dismissed. He's my, he's my uh, advisor, right? And it's it's never really clarified. Uh, he never he says Franco Baldini, you know, would never dare to intervene in this sort of situation or in that situation. He only acts as my advisor. Blah blah blah. Sort of diminishing Baldini's role at the club. But we know that's exactly, not true. Exactly. Right? And mean, that's my that would be my question is please could you make it more clear as to what are the duties of Baldini? What is the role? Why is he uh, not officially on the club's payroll and why is he still such an important voice? Because he is, according to endless reports. Yeah, he is. I, I mean I can understand Palotta uh, wanting to, as you say, minimize maybe the role that Baldini has, but I mean, I can tell you unequivocally, no questions asked in this very moment. Baldini is having a huge, huge, huge effect on the managerial search. So I kind of just wish Palotta would be like, listen, he's a guy who does have some influence at the club. I trust him. I I almost um, would have felt better about him just uh, accepting it and, and owning it and just saying, you know what? Yes, that is the case. Baldini does have influence here, but he's a guy I trust. Right, right. That's that's what I would need instead of, again, it's, um, and he was also saying this that because uh, Baldini has also received a number of sort of targeted harassments in the forms of like banners, even in front of his own house in London, some graffiti sprayed on it. Um so obviously he wanted to sort of minimize that role to say, guys, he's not, don't target him. Don't, you know, don't take it up with him. If you have to take it up with someone, take it up with me. 
which is fine. But that that figure of Baldini is again so just so scarcely addressed in in just so many occasions by Roma as a whole. And even if it's it's clear as daylight that he still is a very important figure. And now I wanted to sort of jump from the that managerial thing that to the part that I liked very much about this layer is that Palotta shows that he's willing to create dialogue with De Rossi and Francesco Totti and he knows how important they are and sort of says that he's willing to spend time with them this summer, hopes to do so in the form of like a vacation together or something or, you know, a visit. Um, the second, he also says that he would like to, he understands that his absence in Rome is a very important factor and says, uh, he says, I should have been there more and that I, mm, it was a yes. serious mistake and I will be there next season. So now, obviously, that's great to hear. We want to see it happen. And, and finally, my good my good takeaway was also how he praises Totti about specifically the managerial search uh, on yeah. Thursday. Great on point. Thursday, he says on Thursday, which is yesterday, about that, that Totti uh, was one of the few voices who sort of made, made himself clear and heard about this managerial position. And he praised him for being one of the most outspoken sort of advisor, advisors on the matter. And, and, and you can see that he's trying to sort of show people that he realizes what an important figure Totti is. And good on him and good on Totti because, um, you know, this whole thing with the manager is complicated. But if he has a role in this, then finally things become more clear about his role. Yeah, I, I think him admitting that he wasn't there enough uh, was the right thing to do. I just like in general that he's not, as I said, looking for an alibi. He's not looking to pass the blame. He's saying this was my fault. Um, I entrusted the, you know, the people that I entrusted who failed. That's my fault. So I like how he's taking responsibility as you mentioned, I do like how he says he's going to be there more. I think that's crucial. Um, I mean, I get accused both ways for either being too harsh on Palota or for kissing his ass. Um, I, I think we've been very balanced in this discussion. Some of the things we like, some of the things we right, didn't like. Right, right. Um, I like how he's taking responsibility. I like, as you said, how he went out of his way to praise Totti. Um, I, obviously, he understands and realizes that he has to improve. And that's the thing I like. He has the self-awareness to realize that, yes, the season has not gone as I planned. It has to be better. I will get better. Um, and, you know, we're not going to get anywhere by uh, people going to the Facebook page of my sisters and, you know, calling them just these terrible, terrible names, which I, I, I mean, for me, I still I still can't wrap my head around people doing right. that. I think yeah, it's terrible. Right. So, yeah, so, again, I, I do wish he would have uh, just been a little more forthcoming about Baldini. But I am uh, I'm very, very surprised at how much he went out of his way to praise Di Francesco and make him a sympathetic figure. Because now, I mean, as you mentioned, uh, at least in my point of view, I don't know if anybody else agrees. Let us know what you think about this, but... 
for me, my view of Di Francesco just from this letter has changed entirely. Yeah, I mean, it, it, listen, he comes off as a as a sympathetic victim of the situation, which I still don't think so because I, you know, it, the manager my manager still has a, a lot of room to sort of. Uh, it's a big role to play, and then uh, sort of he didn't. Surely he didn't play his cards right this season, and just wasn't able to to sort of bring the best out of his own players. But at the same time, yes, and I think that was made clear when Di Francesco was sacked, and pa- Palotta made an especially an a, a, just an effort for him, saying that. He was always top class. I think he said something like that, that he was always a decent, a per, very decent person and a classy gentleman. And, yeah. you know, we appreciate And that he didn't do that to, with Monchi. When Monchi uh, quit, uh, there were no kind words from, from Palota. So, again, you have that, that dual relationship uh, with two very important figures at the club. And it's... Um, you know, I'm. I'm just. It's uh, the mo- the thing I'm surprised the most is f- about this letter is that. Listen, this guy has been abused a long time, and 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 so this whole month, I I don't even want to know what it felt like to be him. Um, obviously not a millionaire, but yes, a millionaire who's being insulted by millions of people at the same time, and and he still had. You know, because we usually associate, as you said, to Palota saying, this is bullshit. This is not the way it is. Fake news, fake news that Roma is targeted by the media, blah, blah, blah. But this time, he really went out of his way, kept his his cool about the situation and and tried to do what Roma fans wanted him and the club to do, show some transparency. And I think to a certain extent, he did that really well. Yeah, and and lastly, just to end this whole letter discussion, I mean, at the end of the day, this is about winning. This is about Roma winning things. And I liked that not so long into the letter, he says um, something to the effect of, we've regularly been involved in the Champions League. We've broken records, but we haven't won a trophy. And that, for me, is a major regret because that's why I'm here. And I'm, (laughs) you know, I, I as... As uh, minute as that may seem, I, 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 I feel like that was important for him to say that in the end, this is why I'm here. So I'm glad he said that. Um, before we sign off real quick, we've had, in the matter of a week, we've had Gasparini say no. We've had <laughs> Roma linked to Miha. We've had uh, Roma linked to Fonseca. De Zerbi. Uh, Gianpaolo. Gattuso. Di Zerbi. I mean, where where are you at with this situation? Um, for me, I, I mean, I, I had somebody um, somebody who who was close to Roma message me very late yesterday and say uh, he thinks it'll be Fonseca at uh, almost ninety percent. Whether or not that happens, I don't know. But uh, what what are you thinking? Where where are you at with well, all of this? But we uh, last night on uh, the live journal, we spoke with uh, with uh, Filippo Piafora, and then he said at that time yesterday, the closest one in the race was the Mihailovic, and the most con- sort of contact, concrete contact was made with Mihailovic, and and then the close second was uh, Fonseca. I I. Um, there are th- a few. If if Mihailovic happens, I will have a big issue with it. Let's not, you know, th- this is it's going to be a big issue for me. Um, 
because he's a yeah, I mean, there's a lot of people who dislike him for various reasons. Obviously, the very, big one is about the um, Yeah, he, he, there is also me, yeah. political for the, for the people who don't know exactly the political humanitarian thing, reasons. And I, <laughs> I, I mentioned it on Twitter. I listen. I, I am firmly. I you could count on one hand the number of things I care about politics. I hate all things politics. I'm dead center as they come. I'm not right. I'm not left. I, I'm right in the middle. I hate discussing politics. Um, but, um, maybe for those of you who don't know, I don't want to get into it, but you can Google where Mihailovic falls on that spectrum. Uh, yeah, he basically backed up a, a, a war criminal. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, a terrorist, a war criminal, and then went on endless tirades saying that women should know their place. They don't have no business talking about football. Right. Women should just stay at home, do this, do that. Clearly has a lot of prejudice against a lot of different people. In, in other words, he's a scumbag. He's a scumbag. And, yeah, and, I mean, uh, there the were people... I mean, the first thing that people were saying when he was linked to the bench of Roma was he's uh, Lazialin. I mean, in the back of no, my head, no, I'm like, oh, not, that. Yeah. The, I don't even know if that makes the top five reasons as to why I wouldn't. <laughs> right, right, um, right. And, I, right. And after, you know, after color of the case of color, if I think we've all learned our lesson, um, that doesn't make, you know, the fact that he was playing for Lazio doesn't make him a Laziale. It's all the other things, right? It's all the other things because, you know, you go from having, you know, a clean-cut guy like Di Francesco to having this third bag. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a bold move if it happens. And to be honest, the managerial qualities are very few. I can only list two, which is he doesn't take shit from anyone. Uh, just doesn't take shit from anyone in the locker room, in the media, doesn't care what anybody says, and plays a lot of youngsters. Yes, I mean, we all know what he did with Donnarumma. That goes without saying. Um, but yeah, I mean, for me, just the, um, from, a, from, a, from a human standpoint, it'd be very difficult for me to, to get excited about him. Um, Fonseca, though, you like him? I, I really like him. For- I mean, I like him. It's the I like him. I like him because I, you know, the the few times I saw Shakhtar play in the Champions League in the last few years, it always seemed like a very compact and, and a team that knew what their objective was, how to play. Um, the, the the thing the thing and the big question mark and probably it's the smallest question mark for any of the candidates is can he. Can he translate that to a tougher league? Because the Ukrainian league has two teams, one of which uh, uh, the, the Dynamo Kiev is is going through a rough spell. So it's basically a one-team league. Um, can he can he translate his football, um, uh, <laughs> whatever the idea is, to, to a tougher league? That's the big question. But of all the candidates, if I have to choose... It'd be either Fonseca or Gattuso. I and it's this is I didn't want to be in this situation to make these decisions. We went from talking about uh, Conte being a dream turned into reality to <laughs> to having to choose between Mihailovic, Fonseca, and Dezerbi, who are the three hottest names according to Gimarz. I, you know, it's a tough situation, but it's if I have to go with it, it's Fonseca. Yeah, me too. That that's the one who gets my vote. Uh, so this is where we're going to leave it. 
So I do imagine that just after so soon at the end of the season, we already have so much to talk about and drama. It's just crazy to me. So we will leave it there, everybody. We will be back. Uh, I mean, Andy, it seems like we will have something early uh, <laughs> right, next right. week. Next, we, next, we, next week, you're right. Yeah, next early next week uh, in regards to a manager, which is when we will hopefully be back. Um, if we don't hear something by Monday or Tuesday, we'll we'll do an episode because surely we'll have a better idea as to who it's at least leaning towards. So until then, we will talk to you later, everybody. As always, thank you so much for listening. And until next time, ciao.